Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, folks. It's Rick Wilson. And welcome to The Daily Beast's The New Abnormal. Hi, I'm Molly Jongfast, a left-wing pundit and editor-at-large at The Daily Beast. I'm also an editor at The Daily Beast, a former Republican political strategist, best-selling author, and full-time troublemaker. We're here to have fun, sharp conversations with some of the smartest people in media, politics, business, and science that help make what's happening in the country and the world clearer. I'll try to keep Rick to the minimum number of F-bombs and try to keep our kids, pets, and other wildlife sounds from invading our respective bunkers. Let's talk about Saturday. Rick Wilson? Hi there. What do you think? I think it was a day like any other, but a day like no other. The inevitable thing happened on Saturday that was going to happen starting on election night. And remember, I kept saying, everybody needs to calm the fuck down over and over and over and over again. Everybody needs to calm the fuck down because math is our friend. The red mirage on election night was just that. The numbers are now inevitably locked in. All the legal shenanigans that Rudy and all these other guys around Trump are trying will not work. They will not overturn the results of this election. And Joseph Robinette Biden is going to be our 45th, our 46th president. And he's going to have flipped Georgia, which is pretty amazing. We are joined by our fearless leader, Daily Beast editor-in-chief, Noah Shackman. Hi. Welcome, Noah. Hey. So well, where guys, were it- you at 11.30 yesterday? Where was I? It was a glorious time at 11.30. On- I was at a uh, enterprise car rental in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when the news came in. As one does. And not only... Did I get the news that CNN and NBC had joined Decision Desk in uh, projecting Biden to be the next president, but also they gave me a Mustang convertible for free. Hell yeah. Wait, what? And so I drove with the top down from Brooklyn up to my family in Vermont, listening to Fox News the whole time on satellite radio. And it was a good day. The sun was shining. And you could hear the wailing, the gnashing of teeth, the rending of garments. (laughs) You know something? Actually, though, the thing that was wild was how little teeth gnashing and garment rending was going on, at least in the hours that I listened to Fox. It was more like, hey, Don, take a breath. Your legacy is secure. You're a great guy. Your name's still going to be on those towers. And it's time to respect the process. And it was amazing how they'd go to reporter after reporter, pundit after pundit, that was like, the electoral fraud stuff is not true, and it is true, Don, that it is time to shuffle off to Mar-a-Lago. Yeah, you know, I've been really struck by the fact that Rupert Murdoch seems to be using Fox News and the New York Post directly to speak to Donald Trump. He is, and I think it's, I, I think part of this is that as much as Rupert enjoys the financial uh, power of Fox News, and he is, and as much as Rupert is a conservative, he's always been as far back as I could find in my writing, uh, eye rolling about Donald Trump personally. It's always been like this is a guy who thinks he's a billionaire, but he's not. And and I, I think at this point, the the threat of Trump TV is not is not as high in Rupert's mind as I think 
some people expect it is. But I also think it's not absent either. But I think, and I'm curious to know what you think about this, Noah. Murdoch has to be worried that Trump is going to keep going and not. It feels like he's trying to talk him off the ledge. Yeah, it sure does. Just to go back to a point Rick was kind of making. um, Look, we had reporting back, I think, a month, maybe even six weeks ago, from Lachlan Cartwright of the Beast, that uh, Murdoch was predicting a Biden win. And so, you know, this day he knew, like many of us knew, was going to come. And yeah, I think I think he is trying to talk him off the ledge and bring him out because look, let's get real. Actually, a Biden presidency is going to be pretty good for Fox, right? They get to be the conservative resistance. Uh-huh. And it's also interesting to hear Fox News starting to bargain with Biden through the TV too. For example, they were saying, "Oh, Joe, wouldn't you rather deal with Mitch McConnell than than those nasty liberals <laughs> and those leftists? <laughs> wouldn't you rather reach across the aisle to Mitch McConnell? He was a bold bit of gaslighting. I, it's hard to imagine it working, but that is what they were trying to do. Yeah, re- reach, reaching out to uh, to Mitch McConnell, you're going to pull back a stump. <laughs> <laughs> but you do have this dynamic of like the television trying to talk to politicians, which I feel like that has not been a thing in previous worlds. I, I don't think so either. And I think it's going to be great when that habit stops. And like really great. And from now on, only digital news sites should uh, talk to politicians. <laughs> <laughs> and, and influential podcasts. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. <laughs> you have a little bit of news you're going to break here today with us, right? Noah? Yeah, well, look, we've got some reporting uh, from Aaron Banco from The Beast, who's been covering the COVID task force, uh, you know, since its inception. And, you know, members of, of that task force and people that work with the task force are absolutely petrified that Trump is going to make things exponentially worse on the COVID front before he leaves office. And so while Biden on Monday is set to announce his COVID plan, the fact of the matter is he's only got a limited number of things he can do uh, between now and January 20th. You know, Donald Trump is still going to be the president and his capacity to stir up mischief is great during this time, especially in the throes of the pandemic. Oh, yes. In, In particular, people uh, on the task force are worried about a couple of things. Number one, they're worried that um, some top health officials may either be ousted or quit before the transition is official. And number two is that Trump seems to be officially or, or increasingly in the throes of this Rasputin-like figure, Scott Atlas, yeah. who's, a, who's a radiologist mm-hmm. who um, seems to believe that, the, that, that everything will be better if we all get the coronavirus and develop herd immunity, which is a recipe for uh, millions of people dying. And I mean, that's just sort of the the beginning of his batshittery. And, and and so there's a real concern that the pandemic that is already, you know, at record highs now could be far, far, far worse once Biden actually takes the reins in January. Yikes. There's other members of Trump world are sort of fleeing too, right? I saw that members of the administration have started, the woman who does various people have started leaving. My favorite piece of of intel from election day was I signaled one of our people that's been a source in the campaign. I said, I said, what you doing? And the response was LinkedIn. (laughs) (laughs) And and you got to figure there's some people that were already on the outs in the administration that might take the might take the opportunity to leave early. Um, Oh, sure. Absolutely. 
There's been some some reporting, uh, not by us, but by Politico, I believe, that uh, that Esper, the Secretary of Defense, might leave early. I mean, there's definitely a bunch of others that might leave early. I mean, we haven't really talked about it yet, but I think one thing to really, really celebrate almost more than the outcome of the election is so far there hasn't been, you know, the kind of nightmare scenario of civil war. Yeah, <laughs> right. I mean, that's that. what I I'm, Trump demanding that people load up the, the, the Secret Service beast car with gold bars and race to the airport. <laughs> no, but I mean, like we haven't seen like a, a Lafayette Square style bars, thugs on the streets happening, at least not yet. Right. Thank God. And, 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 you know, there was a lot of uh, war gaming and a lot of teeth gnashing that that might happen. And, and so far it's been peaceful and i think we gotta we gotta keep our fingers crossed that it'll stay that way yeah no yeah, I, I think I, so too and my whole neighborhood is all is all plywood i think that there are a lot of people in the edges of the trump world in the boogaloos and the three percenters and the militia types who we may be we may actually be past the moment of maximum danger but i don't know in the inter- in the space between election day and yesterday there was a lot of chatter online like this is war they're stealing it from us etc but I think we might be past the the worst of that because there's a there's a understanding now that if 306 electoral college votes is a landslide, uh, I was reliably assured by Donald Trump that it was. Um, <laughs> then then this is a landslide too, and there's not a lot of ways to undo it. Even the crazies on, in Trump world understand. There's not a path out of this thing right now, even with a successful lawsuit, unless you have like five successful recount lawsuits, which is not going to happen. Well, I also think the fact that you've got Rudy and Pam Bondi out there and Eric and not like Bill Barr or anyone who even has any sort of level of competence. My favorite story this week was that Jared Kushner was looking for a, quote, James Baker type to lead the recount effort. And I read it and I stopped dead in my tracks. I was in an airport and I started laughing. And then I sat down on a bench because I was laughing so hard that anyone in Trump world could be ever considered a James Baker type. You mean an an erudite, brilliant negotiator with an ability to handle people and operate complex multivariate problems, many of them simultaneously? Yeah, no. Although, to be fair, James Baker was a mild anti-Semite, as are many people in Trump world. Right, that's true. Say what you will will about James Baker. At least he had an ethos. (laughs) God. But I'm curious to know what happens, you know, like who out of Trump world gets a CNN contract, who gets to the Harvard. I mean, where people got like, will it be Sean Spicer? I promise you, you will see a bunch of these people who will get jobs at the Heritage Foundation and who will get jobs at at CNN and Fox. You will see a lot of these people because no matter how mendacious they are, no matter how scuzzy they are, there's this sort of inevitable gravity of the media world where they will go, okay, well, I know Kaylee Mendacity. I mean, Kaylee McEnany is a lying liar who lies and was abusive to the press, but... She's got a unique voice that needs to be heard. <laughs> I don't know. There, there's going to be a lot of pressure to, to stay away from these folks. I can say this. I'm going to relentlessly beat the shit out of any board member of any corporate C-suite that hires some of these people. And I think in some ways, Kelly was a preview because he couldn't get a real, he couldn't get a great gig. He just, he couldn't after this whole thing was over. A lot of these people are going to be trying though and trying very hard. So I was watching Lindsey Graham this morning, unfortunately, 
thing I'm very sad I still have to do. And it seems he was teeing up that the new grievance culture for conservatives will be that this election was stolen from Trump. A lot of them were out today on the Sunday shows already teeing this up, and this is what they'll be crying at for about for years to come. What do you guys see as the future for this? You know, as we've talked about before, the stab in the back myth is essential to all fascism. They, they have to have a story of how they were betrayed. They can never lose because they were a bunch of grievously stupid fuckwits who were led by a man without the intellectual capacity of a, a bowl of, of tapioca to handle the worst crisis in our, in our lifetimes. All those things are, are, are ignored, but, and that he was a, a repugnant racist scumbag and divided the country in profound ways, was cruel and everything else. It has to be the mysterious forces of they. I mean, look, Newt Gingrich came right out today and just poked right into it. He goes, maybe it was George Soros. With everything but the protocols of the, elder, of the elders of Zion from Newt this morning, because it's like, George Soros, you know what he is. <laughs> but Newt Gingrich is, is the worst person in the world. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, his wife is the ambassador of the Vatican, right? So For about she, a minute. Right. But I mean, they're the worst people in the entire world, and Trump put them with the Pope. <laughs> yes. I just want to take a moment to talk about that. And that's and Irony, the ironies part. abound. I'd love to talk about in the Trump team office, they have those doctored covers of the Washington Times that have Al Gore as president. The, 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 there's going to be a lot of, of desperate retconning about the election, about, you know, the vote count. Some some Trump dingus had went out and did a GoFundMe because they're going to catch those crooked dims. No, I think what they can do is they can set up their ongoing grift. Right. Right, I yeah, think that's the exactly. key here. Like Mike Huckabee. Uh, with the I, this is like a Tom Fitton. <laughs> yeah, and so even if you don't think that this is necessarily like a stab in the back myth too, there needs to be an ongoing way to kind of uh, farm the, the Trump fans for dollars. And that, I think, is is the main thing that's going on here. Because it always seemed to me that these guys were, were grifters first and, and neo-fascists second, you know? I think that's right. Well, I mean, and, and all of the all of the um, all of the fundraising emails that the Trump world is sending out right now, these lurid save the president. We need you for the lawsuit defense fund in Pennsylvania. Your your donation will be matched 400 times. And you know, <laughs> OK, like the day he leaves office, it will be support the MAGA 2024 campaign. Your donations will make it possible. And he'll suck down that money. And there's, for a candidate committee, for a federal candidate committee, he can keep the money if he doesn't run. That's unbelievable. Is that true? Yeah, it's true. Wow. You know, to me, right, so he's going to need money because not only does he have hundreds of millions of dollars in loans coming due, I mean, the chances he's not going to need substantial legal help. Is zero. Right. Right, even if, okay, let's say even if, Biden really goes and says, okay, you know what? In the name of national healing, I am not, I will pardon proactively Donald Trump. Even if he does that, right, there's still going to be an array of state, local, civil. He never escapes this. Right. I think the question really is, will he resign and get pardoned first. None of the state stuff is pardonable. He's at more risk on the state stuff in some ways than any federal thing. And you can't preemptively pardon somebody. Right. You can't just go out and say, 
No matter what you do, here's your get out of jail free card. <laughs> do we have any concern about about how DJ TJ is out there tweeting that they should declassify everything? Is that part of trashing the house a, a concern to any of you? These guys are arsonists, every one of them. They will never undo. The bell will never be unrung. There's never going to be a moment that that they're not willing to destroy everything to aggrandize themselves or enrich themselves or to punish us for, for our sin of not supporting him. Yeah, I, I thought it was actually an interesting foreshadowing for what might come in the future. You know, Spencer Ackerman at The Beast had a great story on Saturday, I think right before the um, call came, that basically talked about the coming uh, Trump deep state and the coming Trump hashtag resistance and how, you know, this sort of weird shotgun marriage of former intelligence officials and and moderates and liberals that, that popped up during the Trump years, you're going to see sort of the bizarro world, Earth-esque version of that now under Trump, where you're going to have former Trump officials like Rick Grinnell, like uh, Ratcliffe, that have had access to secrets, teaming up to weaponize those against, against Trump's enemies, potentially, or at least using their stature uh, to lend a seriousness to their often completely insane allegations. And, and so I I think that this declassify everything call, you know, could be sort of like an opening shot of that. Uh, previously, you may recall that when they've called to declassify, you know, some memo or some intelligence or something like that, it either is A, been so in the weeds as to not matter, right. or B, right. it's kind of backfired on Trump. And so... Um, like Radcliffe, I, right? Yeah, exactly. Now, there's a lot, there were a lot of nothing burgers in the, like the unmasking memo that they touted... For ye- ages. But don't we think ultimately this will end up hurting like Jared and well, other Trump officials because they have such nefarious relationships with other uh, countries? I think Jared's a separate track of potential downsides. As these things become revealed, they will once again try to selectively do what Grinnell did, which was to cherry pick through uh, reports and intelligence to leak to either to either leak to Senate allies who could put it out with a fair amount of impunity or to spin and leak out into the, you know, the Trump world press. There will be a lot of, I think there will be a lot of that coming. What do you think, Noah? You have such a... You have so much experience in this. Yeah, so I'd say the the barriers, the bar is going to be pretty high. And and a good example of that was how uh, Ratcliffe tried to use unfiltered, you know, basically Russian propaganda. He, he basically declassified right. that uh, in the eleventh hour of the campaign, and nobody bit. Like nobody. <laughs> But I think it will feed a Trumpist base, and there's a potential to keep a to keep a fever high with this stuff, and it shouldn't be uh, completely discounted. Yeah, I, no, I agree. I agree. It's still it's still a, a giant raft of horseshit, but <laughs> I don't understand. Is the sh- is the shit that makes up the raft, or is the shit on the raft? I believe the shit is on the raft. I mean, I don't think shit really has much like waterproofness to it. Wait, I thought the raft was riding a river. A foreshit. Yeah. There's, we have many questions, right? So as uh, the river of shit flows down from the top of Dumpster Fire <laughs> oh, Mountain. good. Oh, good. Through the Valley of Burning Tires. <laughs> oh, good. We're getting the whole, we had hoped for a more in-depth explanation <laughs> yeah. and we are getting it. And now you know. That's right. We, we got to hear about your dr- dreams the other episode. Now we get this vision of what goes on in your imagination. We're, we're always learning. Yes. So there's been a call for unity in the Democratic Party. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you, you've heard it. <laughs> Go on. 
<laughs> I am intrigued by your views and wish to subscribe to your newsletter. <laughs> Noah, have you heard a call for unity in the Democratic Party? Yeah, there's this guy, Joe Biden, uh, who got up on Saturday night and said, you know, it's time to heal. It's time to, you know, to come together. And it seems like the least receptive years uh, for that call are coming from within the Democratic Party, where you've seen, you know, the sort of uh, blue dog Democrats and the squad uh, kind of instantly start going at each other's throats in a way that, honestly, I, <laughs> I find fucking mystifying. <laughs> you know, you would think that they would want to enjoy their victory for like 30 seconds. You would think that like toppling a sitting president, they would want to high five once before. Right. Or at least 24 hours. Yeah. And instead it was like, um, you know, there was a there was a congressional meeting that The Washington Post reported out where, you know, uh, some of the blue dog Democrats, you know, went after the squad right, right. away. And then, you know, you've seen um, AOC give some really tough interviews in the last uh, 24 hours. And and it's, I got to say, it, it's surprising to me. I knew that there, that this kind of broad faction or this broad coalition that went against Trump, I knew it wouldn't last. I'm shocked we're already seeing fissures this quickly. Yeah, it's not great. Well, there's no point where uh, this is part of why the Democrats have, as I like to say, are they're holistically bad at politics. They're good at some things. And they're they're terrible at others. From all the Mitch McConnell is a horrifying shipbird. He let his Susan Collins types get away with various apostasies this year right. to win. Right. Okay. He he gave them the freedom to say you know to to get off the reservation here or there, not necessarily on Trump per se, but on issue stuff. This idea that you're going to have the purity posse uh, enforcing for. Democrats, yeah, it's just. It. But I would say one thing, which is in that AOC interview, AOC has a lot of really good points. And she talks about digital and she talks about messaging. And fundamentally, there will be other messaging Republicans will use against Democrats, right? Some sure. of those messages were better than others. And right, socialism, obviously, that's a word that gets a lot of people crazy. And especially because <clears throat> what they're talking about is a pub is Medicare. I mean, it's just expanded Medicare. You've got to bifurcate the question. The socialism accu accusation broadly is often about health care, Medicare, Medicaid, so, et cetera. But the socialism question in Florida and partly, also partly, in Texas also came down to Fidel Castro, Maduro, you know, the, the, and the Cuban and Venezuelan community that got where Trump was able to, to snag a, a, a campaign or a Florida winning number. You know, Joe Biden was advised by some people, I'm sure, I'm actually sure, uh, to go down there and say Fidel Castro was a monster who deserves to burn in hell forever. Right, but 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 the message of we need better messaging in the Democratic Party is not wrong. Better messaging, it never gets you home. Right, but better messaging is what you're saying about the socialism word. I'm actually saying that socialism is a is a Americans love socialism when it's not called socialism. Right, exactly. They're okay so with a little bit of light. Uh, they're, they're okay with a light dusting of socialism over their over their government safety net programs. So they you're fundamentally describing yeah. a messaging problem. Well, it is a messaging problem. But here's the thing: Ted Cruz one time said something like, "I can't quote it exactly, but it's like I'd rather have 35 true Tea Party conservatives than the majority." I'm like, Who "The fuck are you kidding? Get out of here! <laughs> Get the fuck out of here!" <laughs> and speaking of which, 
So there's a there are two big elections coming up on January 5th, right? And yeah. so to my ear, I'm he- I actually hear two kind of purity parties simultaneously going on in the Democrats, where you have one from the Blue Dogs and yeah. one from the left, which is like that's some it's double ridic. <laughs> I gotta say, I'm surprised that they're. They're not even putting aside, uh, putting the knives down until January 5th when they've really got a chance to take out McConnell uh, or, or to take him down. That, that to me is, is shocking. Yeah. But that's Nancy Pelosi needs to get on that. And well, she, I mean, she needs to. I don't to, know that she can. But Mitch McConnell, I mean, part of Mitch McConnell's success is that he rules with a sledgehammer and he, mm-hmm. you know, nobody ever goes out and says, like, we're going to challenge Mitch. You know, you never see a Susan Collins being like, I'm very concerned with Mitch McConnell. Let's kick him out. No, they never will. And they never do. They, he, right. And you're right. I mean, look, on the one hand, the reason the squad has they have social facing power because of AOC's social media presence and the sort of progressive infrastructure out there. But they have relatively little effective power inside the caucus. Right. Because Pelosi just doesn't hold with it. But if she could get control of things, I mean, I don't know. I I think that AOC offers something to the progressive side of the party that you're not, that is not being offered otherwise, other areas. And that if that didn't exist, you would lose those people. So I feel like she's very useful for Democrats and that Democrats should figure out a way to Harness, And she even said, I mean, today on the Sunday show, she was saying, we have things we can use to help you. And that is true. Uh, Both sides hate that you have to be in a coalition. Both sides hate it. They can't stand it. It makes them crazy. And unfortunately, you know, that's what the country's like. The country's much more variable than than the ideologues on the right. I mean, look, the ideologues on the right believe that the whole country is ready for, you know, libertarian funhouse where you have to kill someone to get your medical treatment in a, on a on a pay-per-view TV channel. And, and on the other hand, a lot of a lot of folks on the far left of the Democratic Party are like seize the means of production motherfucker. <laughs> it does Yeah, I, I I don't have a I don't have a great sense of how this ends, but I do have a sense of what happens if Democrats don't back off the circular firing squad talk, right. then I think we, we know what happens in Georgia, if that's the case. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze. Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When picking a commerce platform for your business, you have two choices. Or, I prefer, don't you? 
That's the sound you'll hear when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell, online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Shopify is the best all-in-one commerce platform capable of handling your business's complexity no matter how big you grow. Step up to Shopify and harness the best converting checkout and the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands like Rothy's, Allbirds, Brooklinen, and so much more. You're probably thinking, sure, but migrating is going to be a headache. Shopify's app store has the migration apps you need to migrate your products, orders, customers, and more from every major e-commerce platform to Shopify. If you're anything like me, you're one of those don't put me in a box people. Everyone who knows me knows I'm a don't put me in a box person. And thankfully, Shopify never will because with Shopify, control of your brand and business is always in your hands from your storefront look to your back office operations. I hate when checking out from an online store and then having to pull out my credit card and type in all those numbers. A Shopify store remembers my shipping address and payment information. So if I'm on the couch and my wallet is on the kitchen counter... I don't even have to get up. Stop leaving sales on the table. Switch your business to Shopify and discover why millions trust Shopify as their all-in-one commerce platform to build, grow, and run their business. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash abnormal, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com slash abnormal, all lowercase. Shopify.com slash abnormal. Before we get into things, we have a fun little treat. There are so many insane things happening in the world right now, and two episodes a week just aren't enough to cover it all. So, the new Abnormal is going to release a limited-run series of bonus interviews over the next few weeks for Beast Inside members only. We'll release a new one each Sunday, but listen carefully. Only Beast Inside members will have access to these. So, head over to the newabnormal.thedailybeast.com to become a Beast Inside member now. That's newabnormal.thedailybeast.com. Com. Um, hey, can we talk about Georgia actually real quick? Traditionally, you would think a runoff election in Georgia means Democrats are dead, right? That, you know, they're usually right. super low turnout elections. Mm-hmm. They're the kind that, that traditionally Republicans clean up on. Is that right. for sure the case in these two? Is there anything that happened it, in the, it, it, in the it first is, round that not, impacts? It, it, this is a definitely different creature than an ordinary Republican or, or an ordinary runoff. We're we're just about to go in the field on, on Monday to start studying this. Our analytics guys are already digging in. We suspect, do not know, suspect that Republicans are going to be disheartened. Um, it's going to be tough to motivate them because the hottest part of the Republican turnout machine last cycle here was Trump. And it's going to be hard to go down there and fire up the MAGA maniacs to say, get out there and do it for Donald because he's going to be, oh, wait, (laughs) you know? So this is a math problem. This is a game of small numbers. I mean, like tight, small numbers. And if you, if you gamble this thing out, you know, as a low turnout race, you're in good shape. But we could see like under a million votes statewide. It could be crazy low. Yeah. Yeah. And so we're going to be very careful and other groups are going to be very careful. You know, you've got to build an African-American turnout uh, model here that is through the roof, which is doable. Which Stacey Abrams has been doing, too. And let me tell you, uh, I will say the, the strongest turnout model for African-Americans right now is um, is future Vice President Harris, who needs to be down there. Oh, yeah. Who needs to be down there. Um, several times during this election, I would encourage. 
to do uh, to do events down there to, to, to drive turnout. We also need to get down there with some messaging in that ring suburbs, those ring suburbs of Atlanta to talk about uh, making this a, a referendum on Mitch McConnell. Um, because a lot of those were older soft, those the soft Republican voters have flipped over. And so do uh, you think that like, you know, the Republican or, you know, former Republican or ind- right leaning independent, you know, suburban man or woman who, you know, is definitely anti-Trump. Do you think that they've also turned on McConnell or do you think that McConnell or the, you know, having a, maybe having a check on Biden actually kind of appeals to them? Well, I, I think there may be some Republicans who now look at McConnell as the Alamo. And, and, but, you know, no one has ever, like, gotten up on a rainy January morning uh, and thought, my God, I must defend Mitch McConnell's honor. He is the last white knight standing on the hill. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, Rick, I, I mean, I, I'm curious, man. AOC and Elon Omar uh, brought up the Lincoln Project, and I think at least one of them brought up you by name. And, and I'm curious, you know, what you yeah. make of... Of uh, of those attacks. Look, you know what? I, I've got like three hundred and fifty thousand tweets, and if anybody missed the memo that it was an asshole Republican political consultant and a dick, you know, I'm I'm sorry for them. But look, they're going back and digging out like tweets from ten and and seven or eight years ago, and and I've said plenty of things in my life I regret. The tweet that she brought up in question uh, was was my response to a bunch of Islamic school kids being killed by Boko Haram back then, and you know. I, I, but I'm, here's what I'm not going to do, Noah. I've got a checklist, a punch list to do in Georgia right now with like 185 items on it for Lincoln. So I'm focused on beating uh, Purdue and Loeffler in Georgia. I'm focused on making sure that Mitch McConnell can't rat fuck Joe Biden for two years at the minimum. And, and so you know, if people want to go back and dig through old stuff, that's their prerogative. They can decide they want to disqualify people who want to help them. But, but you're I'm, very different now. But, but, but Molly, here's the thing. It, 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 I have a sharp tongue. I have a sharp pen. And and the people that, that are trying to do this, I think you have to ask the question, why is it you want to you wanna destroy somebody who's been an ally? Is it because you want credit? Okay, take the, all the fucking credit you want. I don't care. Is it because you don't want anybody else outside of your ideological pool? Okay, that's your call. But, and look, hate me all you want. Hate what I was all you want. But I've been on a mission now for five years. That mission was first to eliminate the threat of a second term of Donald Trump. The folks I work with are are proud of the work we did, proud of the role we played. I'm proud of the role I played. And that mission continues because I view Trumpism, the, the authoritarian statism around Trumpism, as a threat that continues. It's why I'm working and my team is working right now to beat Mitch McConnell in Georgia and why we're working so hard to make sure that Trumpism doesn't spread and that, it, and that the enablers of Trumpism are held to account. Um, I'm going to continue to press on as much as I can. I'm going to continue to do the work that I've undertaken for the last five years. It's a very different path I've been on the last five years than I was for the first 25 years of my career. But it's something I sleep well at night. And if you want to try to cancel me, that's your that's your business. But I've got work to do. Uh, you know, for all the criticism, y'all, I deal with death threats and I've dealt with death threats for five years for myself, for my children, for my family, um, for my dogs, for fuck's sake. Um, and and this week it has gotten very loud and the threats online and off have been extraordinary. And I will not stop. This will not I, I will not get off mission. I will not 
walk away from what I've committed to do uh, against Trumpism and against Trump and its enablers. I deal with enough threats all the time. I'm not going to worry about social media fuckery. On that note, we'll wrap up this episode of The New Abnormal from The Daily Beast. In future episodes, we'll be talking with smart folks from The Daily Beast and beyond from media, culture, politics, and science who will help us understand what's happening to our country and the world. We hope you'll subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and share the show on social media. We're just getting started and don't want you to miss an episode. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter, I'm Molly Jongfast, and he's the Rick Wilson. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again on the next episode. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.